We're going to take a few moments and talk about water baptism. I think uh, it's possible your background, or maybe you've never had a background in, in water baptism, and it's, I think it's always good to see what the Bible has to say about it, don't you? Yeah, man, you don't, you don't want to hear what somebody's got an idea, and if it's going off the Bible or not in the Bible. Uh, listen, to settle it, we, we stay in God's Word. That's a good place to go. And you can see on your notes, those of you here, you should have received uh, uh, your outline, and the title is, I Have Decided. Um, I Have Decided. Let's see. Uh, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Um, that's an old hymn. No turning back, no turning back. Though nobody goes with me, I'm going to still follow. I Have Decided. And we know you know that that decision is not a one and done, it's an, a daily decision, right? So listen, um, I'm married uh, to Deborah, my wife, and every day I have to decide to be faithful and honoring to her, Right? So I could go back almost 44 years ago and say, well, I made that promise 44 years ago. Listen, that's not going to that's not going to hold it all by itself. Today, 44 years later, I have to commit myself to being faithful to her. So I have decided that's a decision. And every single one of us have decisions to make every single day. And if we stop making them or if we start drift, start drifting away from our core values, Honestly, we end up in a bad place. And that's not what God wants. Why? Because God loves us. He loves you tremendously. And so um, this morning, let's jump into I Have Decided. I almost feel like singing that song, but I'm disciplining myself, man. I'm digging deep to hold it inside right now. And... Uh, In her book, The Hiding Place, Corey Ten Boom tells a story about her grandfather. Uh, he was a Dutch follower of Christ, and uh, he had a heart for the Jewish people. His name, William Ten Boom, he started a weekly prayer gathering uh, near Amsterdam in 1844. That's a long time ago. And uh, he focused on praying for the Jewish community, that they would ultimately put their faith in Jesus Christ. And this weekly prayer meeting went on uninterrupted until 1944. That's 100 years, friends. Think about that. 100 years of faithfully praying week after week for the Jewish community in the Netherlands, in Holland, that they would put their faith in Christ. But what happened in 1944? Well, um, the Ten Boom family, they were hiding Jews in their home and trying to get them out of the country to safety. Somebody betrayed their trust and turned them into the Nazi party. And of course, they, their family, entire family, ended up in a concentration camp. Corey survived, the only one of her family. But she tells the story in her book about her dad, who 
love the Jewish people. It's an interesting thing. When you pray for somebody, you begin to love them. Have you noticed that? You haven't noticed that? Yes or no? You, come on, talk to me. Yeah, man. So, so I pray for my... And I know you're going to say, man, what, what's your problem today? You're talking about your wife all the time. Well, I pray for my wife daily, you know, and you know what happens automatically, I think, is God pours his love into me that helps me love her better as a man. See, when you pray for somebody, you begin to love them. And that's why Jesus said, pray for your enemies. <laughs> I know you have pictures in your in your mind already who your enemies are, you know, and you've already thought, you know, I'm going to let the air out of their tires and, you know, I'm going to shoot bottle rockets at their house and all that stuff, you know. Don't do it. Jesus said, pray for your enemies, right? And you pray for them and then you end up loving them. So that's a good word. Anyway, her dad... When the Jewish community in, in the Netherlands were forced to wear the Star of David to identify themselves as the Jews, uh, her dad willingly went in line, even though he wasn't Jewish, to get the Star of David. Why? Because he had been praying for them for so many years. He identified with them. He was one of them. And so he was willing to wear that sign of shame and persecution for the sake of the people that he loved. Man, he didn't have to wear the star, but he chose to. You see that? And so this morning, as we look at water baptism, that's what water baptism is. It's identifying, we're identifying with Jesus Christ. You know, Here's the thing, Jesus gives you and I the freedom to receive him or reject him. That's love with the advancement of the computer age, it would be, and we know God was way ahead of it. He could have put a chip in all of us and hit a button and made us, forced us to love him. But that's not love. Love is when we choose to love something. And God knew that so much because God is love and he knew that we would need to choose to love him to be, you know, it was authentic then. It's not forced or coerced. So that's what the deal is. When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you're identifying with him. Water baptism, the same way, man. You're identifying with Jesus, what he did on the cross, coming out of the grave. That is a picture of your life as well. So, um, well, uh, 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 with that next slide, let's um, uh, let's see. I have, uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Christ follower, man. Um, so when when individuals get baptized in water, because they put their faith in Christ, they're going public with it, and they're saying, "I'm a Christ follower," you know. And and really, I'm not ashamed about it. I'm I'm publicly declaring that. So in Colossians 2, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. 
You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. So before we put our faith in Christ, we are dead spiritually. We're not on life support. You know, it's not a faint heartbeat. We are spiritually dead. It's hopeless, man. And how sad when somebody tries to be, you know, follow, follow God by effort and good works. It's never enough. We're told here, hmm, we were dead because of our sins, because of our sinful nature, but look at this, then God. Then God. He didn't leave us dead. He came after us, made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. All our sins. All our sins. Not some, all. All of our sins. And you may be here today, some watching online, you may think, man, some of my sins I've compartmentalized. They're they're really dark. And I just don't think God could forgive me of those sins. What does it say here in the Bible? He forgave all, right? All. Anybody know what the word all means in Greek? (laughs) Yeah, man. All means all. All means all. And that is so reassuring, I think. Look at, look at what he did. God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly because by his victory over them on the cross. So we just had Easter a few weeks ago. And that's what that's all about, man. They stuck him in a grave. They figured, man, it's over. He's not a threat to us anymore. Three days later, boom, he comes running out of the grave. Jesus is alive. He's alive to change your life and my life so that we become more like him. So number one in your notes, Jesus models baptism. In other words, he endorses it. Uh, Matthew 3, then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John, John the Baptist. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. That's understandable. I I was thinking if I was John the Baptist, I would would say the same thing, man. Jesus, you've got to baptize me. I mean, who am I? And I am the one that needs to be baptized. So why are you coming to me? And Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him, and after his baptism, as Jesus came, what? Up. Let's see, there's another song. That's it. (laughs) That is it. How'd you know that, David? We are on the same wavelength right now, man. That's good. (laughs) Up from the grave he arose. And he came up out of the water. Yeah. Came up out of the water and the heavens. Man, that's a good song. Up from the grave he arose. (laughs) The heavens were open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settled on him and A voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. You know what I like about this verse is that's what God says to you and to me as well. 
Because when we've been adopted into his family, we are his sons and daughters. You are my dearly loved son. You are my dearly loved daughter. Think about it. Who brings me great joy. Great joy. God loves you so much, you bring him great joy. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Now, you understand, John the Baptist is getting his ministry rolling here. He's preparing the way for Jesus, the Messiah. And when Jesus shows up on the, the shores of the Jordan River, let's take a look at a map here so you know what we're talking about. Um, we don't have it. <laughs> you have to take my word for it. Uh, go to the back of your Bibles, man. Maps, you know, maps. And, and look up uh, Israel, and you'll see on top the Sea of Galilee to the right, and the Jordan River comes out of it. Going south, where does it land? It lands in the Dead Sea. And nothing else comes out of the Dead Sea because it's dead. See? The Jordan River. So let's take a picture of the Jordan River. Yeah, man. There it is. Isn't that beautiful? Oh, yeah, yeah. So uh, Debbie and I have been to Israel, and we were, we were here, and there were people getting baptized. They, they have white robes going on down there, and so we ended up coming over here to watch it all. In fact, yesterday, Debbie and I, we had some folks over at our house, and you call on me, Mark? Okay, I'm embarrassed for you. We're talking about identifying, right? Yeah. We're identifying with Mark, right? We all feel bad for you, Mark. So. Oh, boy. Yeah. Anyway, uh, let's get back to the, to, uh, <laughs> the Jordan River. Uh, so there was something powerful, man, I can tell you, when people were getting baptized there. It, it was quite an experience just to watch and to think that Jesus was there. And John the Baptist um, was there. And we see that <clears throat> John the Baptist, of course, uh, eventually relents and says, okay, I'll baptize you. And it was done. So we're grateful for that. Number two, Jesus promotes baptism. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. <laughs> Let's read that. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. What's the command that was given there? Let's back up. Make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them. That's a command, friend. You, you might think, you know, I put my faith in Christ. I don't feel like getting wet. I don't feel like getting up in front of people. You know, I, I, baptism is, you can take it or leave it. No, you can't. It's, it's a command. 
It's a command. On the front end of Jesus' ministry, he gets baptized in water. On Before he ascends to heaven, he endorses the fact of baptism again. You see, it's like a bookend here. The beginning of his ministry, the end of his ministry, he's endorsing water baptism. And, and, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Are we in the end of the age? I think so. I think we're at the end of the age. When you look at world history, uh, the dispensations of history, I think we're at the end of the age. But here's the thing, in John 14, 15, Jesus says, if you love me, what? Obey, right? Obey my commandments. And so we know that salvation comes through faith when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Baptism, again, is we're united with him. We're identifying with him, you know, that he went into the grave for three days. We're not going to keep these people in the water for three days, by the way. I was thinking, man, can we keep underwater for three minutes? Symbolic, you know, make it symbolic, three minutes. <laughs> we're not going to do that. No, we're not going to do that. We took a boat, we're not going to do that. So, um, Jesus promotes baptism, and uh, we're, we're grateful for that. So, uh, water baptism is an expression of you and I identifying ourselves with the story of Christ. Our loyalty, our allegiance, we're transferring from ourselves and putting it on him. Lord, you're, you're where I will be loyal. You're, my allegiance will be for you. And so <clears throat> probably in a couple months, you'll see Travis wearing his Chicago Bears jersey. Something like that. Yeah, yeah, and um, it's an outward expression of his inward allegiance. That's what it is. When you wear, put a jersey on the outside, it's an outward expression of an inward allegiance, no matter how misguided it is. <laughs> a wedding ring is an outward sign that a person is married. Wearing a wedding band doesn't make you married does it? But it's an outward physical symbol of an inward spiritual commitment. You're saying to the world that you're taken, right? That you belong to somebody and you're united with that person. It's a done deal. So a military uniform, Dane's going to be putting on an Air Force uniform in a few days and it's an outward sign that that person is involved in a particular branch of service. So, similarly, water baptism uh, is an outward expression designed by God to identify a person as a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's why we're excited today, man. Cool stuff going on. And... Um, Let's jump to number three. So Jesus models baptism. He promotes baptism. And number three, here it is. I have decided, there's that word again, to what? To obey. I have decided to obey. That's so much better than I've decided to disobey. And um, um, we're going we're gonna to kind of 
zoom in on a, on a story out of the book of Acts, I think that we can identify with in Acts 16. Paul and Silas are in Philippi, and for those of you that have been tracking with the series in the book of Philippians, this is where Paul and Silas, man, they got arrested under false charges in Philippi, thrown into a dungeon, kind of tortured, thrown in stocks. And um, in verse 25, around midnight, Paul and Silas, uh, in this dungeon after they've been whipped and they're in stocks and they're thinking, oh God, get me out of here. No, no. They're praying and singing hymns to God. Isn't that cool? Instead of saying, God sent a search and destroy mission to get me out of here, they're singing and praising God. And for all you Sunday school alumni, Give me oil in my lamp. Keep me burning, burning, burning. Up day. <laughs> yeah. See what you missed out, man, if you didn't go to Sunday school? They, they were singing their Sunday school songs, man, in, I'm sure, in some contemporary tunes as well. But they were singing and praising God for the opportunity to identify with Christ. And... Notice the other prisoners were listening. They're probably thinking, what's wrong with those guys? It's, it's, it's midnight. They should be sleeping. They should be counting sheep. And here they are singing and praising God. Suddenly there was a massive earthquake and the prison was shaken to its foundations. All the doors immediately flew open and the chains of every prisoner fell off. The jailer woke up to see the prison doors wide open. And he assumed the prisoners had escaped, so he drew his sword to kill himself. Why was that? Because jailers were responsible for the prisoners. If the prisoners escaped, they were responsible and their life would be forfeited. So he knew, you know, the doors are open. I'm sure all the prisoners are gone. And um, verse 28, Paul shouts, Stop! In the name of the law. No, not in the name of the law. Stop, don't kill yourself. We're all here. In verse 29, the jailer called for the lights, ran to the dungeon, fell down trembling before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Do you see that? Listen, people are watching you. You're not in a dungeon. You may feel like you're in a dungeon. You may feel like God's forgotten about you, but people are watching how you live your life. And here, Paul and Silas are under duress. You would say a crisis in a dungeon. And what are they doing? They're singing and praising God. That got the jailer's attention. What's wrong with you guys? I want what you have. He says, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him and with all who lived in the household. And even at that hour of night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds, and then he and everyone in his household were immediately baptized. They didn't say, hey man, you got to go through a 12-week course, you got to get your act together, you know? You've been brutal, you're a jailer, I know you take advantage of people in prison. No, no, no. They put their belief in Christ and they were baptized. And um, so what happened, let's 
put this together, the jailer put his faith in Christ and he got so fired up, he got his family together. And Paul and Silas told them, and they all put their faith in Christ. And then, instead of eating a meal, hey, let's eat. You know, by then it's two o'clock in the morning. You know how it is. You get up at two o'clock in the morning, you go to the refrigerator because you're hungry. He said, no, let's get baptized first and then we'll eat. And that's what happened. So he and his every, everybody in his household were immediately baptized, 33. He brought them into his house, set a meal before them, and his entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. That word meal literally means feast or, or, or um, ranch. Pizza ranch. <laughs> Buffet. They brought it in, man. They brought it in from pizza ranch. It means a feast. It's a feast. You know, it's not peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, man. It's a feast. Why? Because their entire household rejoiced because they all believed. That word rejoice means to celebrate, praise, to exalt, rejoice exceedingly. And so, here it is. Life Church, uh, I know some denominations will baptize or christen babies, but uh, here at Life Church, we understand the Bible to teach that only professing followers of Christ qualify for baptism. Baptism does not make you a follower of Christ, rather, it shows that you already believe. You believe and then you're baptized, just like Paul and Silas, you know, the jailer and his family. They believed and then they were baptized. Infant baptism does not save you. It's not found in the Bible. And friend, if it's not in the Bible, we shouldn't build a doctrine on it. You know? And if you were baptized as an infant and you placed your faith in Christ later, you need to be baptized. At Life Church, we dedicate babies and children and, and parents. We don't baptize them. So the number one reason why you should be baptized is because Jesus says to do it. You know? It means you've decided to do what Jesus says and you're following his example. So once again... We go to Paul when he's remembering the day he put his faith in Christ in Acts 9. Ananias, he's referring to Ananias in Acts 22. And look at verse 16. Ananias saying to Paul or Saul, what are you waiting for? Get up and be baptized. <laughs> eh? Have your sins washed away by calling on the name of the Lord. Paul had done that. Saul had done that. So he said, what are you waiting for? You need to get baptized. Boom. You see that urgency? You see it? It's not wait until you get comfortable with it. You put your faith in Christ and you get baptized. Why? Because delayed obedience tends to drift into disobedience. Delayed obedience drifts into disobedience. So the Bible commands us to put our faith in Christ. And today, today, 
Maybe you haven't done that yet. You haven't put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can do what Paul told the jailer, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. Believe. You put all your trust that he took your place on the cross. He paid for your sin, dead in full. You say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. Forgive me. Thank you for taking my place. I'm identifying with you, Lord. You took my place. I'm trusting you. I'm believing that you are who you say you are, the Savior of the world. Thank you for coming into my life. And I will live for you all the days of my life through the power of your Spirit. Yeah. And so, maybe you're here today and you, uh, you haven't signed up to be baptized today. So we've, we've made it easy. You can go to lifechurchmh.com webpage and there's a link for water baptism. You can sign in there. Or after the gathering today, you can go to the guest central and um, there's a list if you'd like to be baptized in water. If you put your faith in Christ, the next step is it's time to be baptized. 